This is Manuel Amesqua, host of Vision, Hustle, Grit, and Gratitude. It's a new podcast where we interview the top performers in sports and business to unlock the mindsets and disciplines required to get to the top of the 1% of 1%. Our goal is to bring value to as many people as possible with these conversations. But now we need your help to grow the podcast. Take a minute and please leave a review on Apple with your thoughts on the conversations so far. Thank you in advance and enjoy the show. I started to think about, well, what does life look like beyond the game? Football is not forever. And I, I really wanted to make sure that whenever I was done, um, I at least had uh, not even a plan, but just like the confidence to go out there and really spread my wings. On today's episode, Manny is joined by former NFL athlete, entrepreneur, and investor, Ryan Mundy. After he retired from the NFL in 2016, Ryan went on to found companies like Techly Ventures, Swizzle, and Alchemy, along with his activity as an angel investor. Ryan shares how embracing progress over perfection builds momentum, the story of his entrance into the NFL and becoming a Super Bowl champion, and how to use your athletic background to open doors professionally. You can find links to follow Ryan and his companies in the show notes. And without further ado, enjoy the episode. Folks, I'm, I'm super excited. I'm here with a uh, a friend of mine uh, from my many years in Chicago, uh, Ryan Mundy, uh, retired from the NFL in, in 2016, uh, which is, you know, right about when we first met uh, and has just got onto so many exciting things uh, in the world of, of becoming an entrepreneur, an investor, in uh, really launching a, a number of different really exciting companies and businesses. And He's got a huge vision, and, and as all of you know, uh, we, we think that the 1% of the 1% uh, live in a world where they've got a high focus on vision, hustle, grit, and gratitude. And so, Ryan, thanks so much for uh, sharing some time with us today. Uh, tell me, if for folks and viewers and listeners that have not met you before, uh, how would you introduce and maybe describe yourself uh, today? <laughs> Uh, well, thanks for having me on, Manny. Uh, it's, it's always a pleasure to connect with you. Um, you know, that that's something that I think about a lot um, because I do wear so many hats. Um, entrepreneur, investor, uh, board director. I have several board positions. Um, so I, I think I would probably just use those. Um, you know, my focus um, right now is, is, is more so on entrepreneurial activities, uh, as you mentioned, really stepping into the founder CEO seat and, and running businesses and brands. Um, that's where my focus lies. And then also my board activity. I don't do much uh, active angel investing anymore, but, you know, I could, I could throw that hat on if needed um, and, and when appropriate. So, um, again, I'm a man of many hats. I got a lot of irons in the fire, but uh, I wouldn't have have it any other way. Yeah, and so for the for the right opportunity, you definitely uh, would not shy away from uh, angel investing. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. But you know, it's hard because I balance. You know, I, I got two businesses of my own that I need to focus on, and so if I'm thinking about investing or writing checks, it should probably be into my own activities instead of somebody else's. Um, but that's honestly, you know, that's what really started. 
um, my entrepreneurial activity um, where I was actively investing into local startups. Um, and then I just had like this paradigm shift of like, look, you know, I'm seeing things being developed and uh, ideas coming to life and are getting funded. Like I can do this. And, and, and really um, it was uh, me just doubling down on myself and saying that like, look, if I'm going to be putting capital out there um, to fuel somebody else's dream, what about fueling my own dreams? And so really um, decided to take that leap and hop into the, uh, the founder seat. Yeah, you know, I, lo- I love that you said that, right? It, uh, the idea of acknowledging that there's all these other people pursuing their dream and their vision for their life with their ideas, and they're attacking them. And, and here, here we all are considering investing in those while we're sitting here with our own dreams and vision for what we aspire to create, you know, for, for our, our faith, our family, our community. Take me back to your childhood in Pennsylvania and tell me where you think that you've drawn this massive vision for your life and for all that's possible. Um, I have very humble upbringings Um, from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, Um, you know, a a small Midwestern uh, city. And, and, and really, I think the, the foundation that my, my father and my mother laid just around hard work um, and discipline and, and focus. Um, those are the most consistent themes that I, I draw from my childhood. Um, I've been playing sports since I was seven. And, and, and so that experience of like team and uh, community, and again, those adjectives of like hard work, discipline and focus really laid the foundation. But it wasn't until actually I think I retired from the NFL or was close to retiring from the NFL where, um, you know, I just started to get very curious about what the world looked like outside of a stadium and away from a playing surface. You know, as I mentioned, I started playing football when I was seven and I didn't retire until I was 31. And during that whole time period, I was singularly focused on becoming the best possible athlete that I could be. Obviously, like, you know, I had other interests and academics was very important, but the bulk of my time, talent and energy was dedicated to Ryan Mundy, the athlete. And, and so, as I was matriculating across um, the time spectrum during my professional career, I started to think about, well, what does life look like beyond the game? Football is not forever. And I, I really wanted to make sure that whenever I was done, um, I at least had uh, not even a plan, but just like the confidence to go out there and really spread my wings. And so uh, when I retired, uh, I did just that and, and really opened myself up to opportunity, to meeting folks um, and really just learning. So th- the past four years, I think I've experienced tremendous growth um, and just really understanding how the world works, what type of opportunities out there are out there and really um, expanding my thinking on, on what is possible. Um, so it's, it's a unique combination of like my upbringing, but really just over these last four years, just getting out there and exploring and, and having the confidence um, to, to spread my wings and, and being unafraid of uh, taking risks. You know, I, I, uh, I just went, I went in two completely different directions. One is I want to I talk to you a little bit about your time at University of Michigan. Um, and then two, I, I'm thinking of vision casting. So, I, you know, we, we talked to 
uh, a lot of student athletes, specifically around the state of Michigan and the Chicago area still. And, and when, they're, when they're looking for a little bit of insight or advice, you know, we talk to them about, you know, uh, getting clear on the vision they want for their life and getting really confident and convicted about vision casting that out and sharing that story with people because you just really never know who might take a really special interest in you and the vision you have and say, you know what, I, I want to help or I want to be a part of that. And, uh, you know, tell me, maybe tell me about that a little bit. Are, are there one or two key times in your life, uh, whether it was while you were playing before or after your retirement, when you shared that vision and you shared your ideas and someone really jumped in on that and they played an integral part in, in accelerating your trajectory? Um, yeah. And, and again, like these last four years, so much has happened. And, and so, and, and honestly, um, it's happening right now with uh, the new brand and business that I'm working on, Alchemy. Uh, we're really, you know, it's it's a fantastic opportunity. Uh, the time is very ripe. And by the way, Alchemy is a, a health and wellness brand specifically designed uh, around black millennial, excuse me, black millennials um, for digital health uh, tracking, products, goods and services, and also virtual health services as well. Um, but I was so focused and we, when we talk about vision and, and vision casting, sometimes it's like this ideal state of perfection, right? And it's like, no, this has to be perfect. I feel so great about this and I want this to be excellent. And for a while I was operating in such a way where I was focused on perfection rather than progress. And, you know, that, that can hinder you and cause you to overthink things and not necessarily move the ball forward because you're so focused on getting something right. And so I had a very candid conversation um, with two gentlemen who I consider to be really good friends and mentors. And they just literally just broke it down to me and said, like, look, man, you have the intelligence, you have the background, you have the sauce. Stop trying to make things perfect and just focus on perfection and moving the ball forward. People believe in you. People trust you. You got to start doing that for yourself. And once you do that for yourself, then the world will open up even more for you um, because people are, they get excited about progress. They get excited about movement. They get excited about activity. But if you're focused on just like perfecting this one thing, then you're not necessarily moving forward. And so once I really came to terms with that. Then the world started to open up again and, and, and things started to move a lot more um, faster. And then honestly, you know, the vision became a lot clearer because I was moving and figuring stuff out along the way. Um, so that's a real opportunity. And so uh, I just had a really recent example of that. Yeah, th that's great. And you know what? It reinforces that, you know, we, uh, we I mean, we continue to learn and evolve and adjust yeah. uh, if we, surround ourselves with the right people and we keep our ears open, right? Because I mean, how many times, I mean, I, you, you just said that and I'm thinking instead of going to a, a micro win, my mind went to a time when I didn't listen to someone I really trusted who gave me good advice and I repeated the sort of same uh, non-productive cycle a couple more times and then he repeated again like a year later and it finally sunk in. I was like, you're yeah. right. Yeah. So, you know, how many times when we're not ready to listen, we kind of miss the, uh, the solution. And a lot of times it's a simple one. Uh, it, it, tell us a little bit more, though, about that company. Because the last time you and I spoke, man, I was super pumped when you shared it. I, I, it's going to be, 
I just I just think it's going to be so much bigger than any of us could really probably fathom right now or quantify. But tell us a little bit more about it. Yeah, sure. So um, as I mentioned, uh, Alchemy is a is a health and wellness brand uh, specifically designed around uh, the Black experience. And when we think about Alchemy, our minds automatically go towards. Uh, the book, The Alchemist, which is a very important and powerful book in my life. And the common theme through that um, story story is that it's about the journey and not necessarily the destination. And that's how I look at one's wellness and um, particularly pursuing our, our quote, personal legend, uh, which the main character was doing in the, Al- in, in the book, The Alchemist. And a core part of our personal legend is our health. Um, you know, we hear the saying health is wealth, right? Uh, if our health is not optimal, then any of our hopes, dreams and ambitions, um, they fall by the wayside because we can't do anything unless we're healthy. Um, and so looking at the landscape, particularly as it relates to black health, there's a massive gap uh, between um, health outcomes for the black community and the brands and companies that are in, in, in the category. And there's, it, it really just comes down to uh, a lack of focus, a lack of intentionality and a lack of a, a brand coming out and serving principally the needs of the community. Uh, the black wellness experience is nuanced and historically, you know, it's rooted in systemic bias and racism, et cetera. Um, and when we think about other categories, you know, we have brands that represent us in hair, clothes, and entertainment. But again, when it comes to our most important asset, uh, our health and well-being, uh, we just don't have that brand at scale for uh, representation. So I'm really excited about this opportunity. Uh, it's a huge, huge, huge market. There's 45 million Black people uh, in the country today, and we have an outsized um, consumer spend, almost $1.4 trillion. And so really our mission is just to uh, make make health and wellness simple and accessible um, uh, for, for the black community. And again, that's through like app-based health tracking, vitamins and supplements, telehealth services, and also community support. So um, I'm excited about it. It's a big, big vision, um, but building a very strong team to, to help me bring it to life. When, when and where, when and where will people be able to find this? Yeah, so we are targeting a late uh, 2020 launch, either November uh, or December, depending on how a few things shake out over the next few weeks. Uh, sure. But we're targeting a, a, a late 2020 launch, and we will be direct consumer e-commerce. Um, our website is www.livealchemy.com, and alchemy is spelled A-L-K-E-M-E. Awesome. And so there you have it, folks. Live Alchemy, A-L-K-E-M-E.com is where you can find more information on that. And that's, man, that's super exciting. I mean, I think, you know, it, it's great to see that laser beam focus, especially on a demographic that I think there's a huge opportunity to be of value and of service. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, look, I mean, I, I think it'll, uh, I think that laser beam focus might be short lived when, uh, you know, you have other uh, groups raising their hands and saying, hey, you know, we've got our own, you know, set of opportunities and circumstances that a solution like this could yeah. be available to as well. So that it's going to be really exciting to watch you do that. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's a unique balance in, in how we really think about what our approach is. Um, but again, starting out with, with, uh, with focus is important. Um, you know, if we try to be all things, to all people, then we're nothing to anybody. And so really starting, um, 
with a level of focus and in building that relationship and trust. And then once we do that, exploring other opportunities as well. Thanks for sharing that. And so take me a little bit back. The other, the other place I was going for a minute was I was thinking about your time uh, at the University of Michigan and your playing days. And t- take, me, take me to maybe one or two of uh, the sort of key lessons or uh, philosophies or guiding principles that maybe you took away uh, from your time there, whether it was academically or athletically. And, and aside from maybe one of the two key things you took away from your time at Michigan, uh, because we do have a lot of student athletes that listen in, maybe uh, describe what the, the, the most significant mentor looked and felt like to you while you were there at Michigan. And you can acknowledge them by name or not, but just so that our student athletes can continue to keep their eyes and ears open to, to, to the types of people that could be of great value to them as they continue to you know, go on their journey through life. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so a key lesson um, from my time in, in college is really just to believe in yourself. Um, you know, there's two two uh, examples of that. One, as a as a rising sophomore, so after my freshman year, going playing spring ball, I was in a competition battle for the starting free safety spot. Going against the upperclassmen, um, you know the and and again, like the central theme is like believing in yourself. And so um, going against an upperclassman, I knew I was more talented than him, but he was still above me on the depth chart. And, you know, reading the headlines, oh, it's a position battle between Ryan and, and such and such. And, and, and I had the confidence of my teammates, the confidence of my coaches. And really, once I, I, I realized that, I really I started to believe in myself and really started to feed off of that. And so it became like this flywheel type of example uh, or momentum that was built. Um, and I went out there and won, won the uh, position and held on to it uh, for as long as I was at Michigan for the most part. Uh, the second example there is when I transferred from Michigan, um, we, we, were, we lost a game to Ohio State. I didn't necessarily have my best game, but we didn't play good as a team as well. And long story short, Coach, Car- Coach Carr and I had our differences throughout the years. And um, I ended up, you know, just making a, a decision to take take my talents like LeBron <laughs> uh, to, to West Virginia. Uh, and that was a very trying time because I took advantage of a, a graduate transfer rule um, that allowed student athletes to transfer to a school um, if they graduated. And the school that they were transferring to had to have a graduate major that wasn't offered at their previous institution. And so I knew about this rule and I was like, all right, I'm gonna take advantage of this. Made that decision in December. January comes around, they, the NCAA um, d- does away with the rule, like they disband the rule. And I'm like, wow, I just told Coach Carr, I'm out of here and here we are, like, I gotta figure this out. And so that was probably the most stress, one of the most stressful times of my life, but I really had to dig deep and, 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 and again, believe in myself. I was working out at the student rec center. I was, I had a job at a place called Michigan telephone where I was calling alumni and asking them for donations for 10 at $10 an hour. I mean, it was just very, very, very stressful. Uh, but through that, uh, I had to make sure that I was putting in the work, um, and, and preparing myself for hopefully an opportunity to transfer. So after a number of letters of recommendations, phone calls, et cetera. I finally got the green light to transfer 
in in May of 2007. But literally those four months, first four months of 2007 were absolute hell uh, for a 22-year-old. But again, that persistence, focus, discipline that I acquired uh, as a child and, and also making sure that I was believing in myself and not only believing, but putting in the work that's most important too uh, for preparation that, that definitely uh, helped me get through. And ultimately when the decision was made, I was ready to go. Um, from a mentor standpoint, I think co- the college landscape has evolved quite a bit uh, as far as like resources and, and, and that are available to student athletes. Um, candidly, you know, it, it really wasn't, there really wasn't a lot of talk back when I was in, I'm older now, right? So I was in college in like 2003 and 2007. And, you know, this was at a time where we were really starting to figure out what it means to be a student athlete, how to balance that. Uh, we didn't have all the bells and whistles that are on college campuses now with all the flashing lights, etc. cetera. Um, and then also too, you know, we, I think, universities were really starting to realize the importance of developing uh, athletes off away from the playing surface. Um, The probability or the statistics of a student athlete going professional aren't very good yet. And still we're putting all this time, effort and energy uh, into making it. So the guy to my left and the guy to my right, they had the same goals, dreams and ambitions as me to make it uh, to become a professional athlete. But for one reason or another, they didn't. And so when they uh, graduated, life hit them in the face very hard. And they weren't necessarily prepared or equipped or had the mentorship or resources to make that transition smoothly and effectively. And so I think universities have done a better job realizing that over the course of, you know, the last 10 or 12 years. Um, and hopefully, you know, there, there's a lot more mentorship networks, alumni uh, associations that are stepping in to really just help the, the student athletes see the world beyond their helmet or away from the basketball court or whatever sport it is. Yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely evolved quite a bit as you, as you've uh, acknowledged. Tell me about, uh, t- tell me a little bit about uh, the journey uh, to West Virginia and, and the fact that your business plan at that time and your business at that time remained football. Uh, you know, you, you had a good career at Michigan. I mean, one of the uh, greatest football powerhouses of all time. Um, I don't think anyone would dispute that. Uh, you went on to West Virginia, ended up getting drafted in the first round, if I'm not mistaken. No, sixth round. I wish oh, first round. Sixth round. <laughs> sixth round, sorry. Sixth yeah. round. So got drafted, but got drafted. Yeah, that's and, a big deal. A huge deal. you got drafted to your hometown state. Yeah, hometown city. Um, yeah, you know, my, when I look back at my life, Manny, uh, I'm blessed. I, I'm truly, truly blessed. Uh, I, I couldn't, through the ups and downs, um, lefts and rights, uh, above all, I should have, and I don't have any complaints. Uh, but yeah, my time at West Virginia, uh, to your point, that was the business plan. Just like, look, I'm here to play football. Yeah, I'm in graduate classes, uh, but I only had class on Tuesday and Thursday. And so the life of a graduate student, I uh, had a lot of free times on my ha- free time on my hands to really focus um, and, and work my tail off for my last shot to accomplish my dream, uh, which was making it to the NFL. And so long story short, we, we had a really good season, uh, came up short. 
at the end of the year and with a loss to to Pitt that if we won that game, we would have went to the national championship. Uh, but I had a really good season, uh, capped that year off with a Fiesta Bowl victory against Oklahoma, wow. uh, which was a big win for us. And then, you know, it was like, I'm here. Um, I didn't, I didn't have any, um, I didn't go to the combine. I didn't have any all-star game invites. So I had one shot at my, at my pro day to impress scouts, um, and and coaches, et cetera. So pro day comes around and there's a lot of folks there. We had Pat White and Steve Slayton entering into the draft and they were, uh, being heavily evaluated by a lot of scouts and they were drawing a lot of interest. And so I knew people would show up and during that pro day, you know, this is like the bench press, the 40, all these, you know, metrics and tests. I went out there and absolutely annihilated it. Uh, I, I crushed it. But again, the central theme of my life is around like preparation, hard work, focus and discipline. So understanding the opportunity that was at hand, I was putting in the work and I was preparing because I knew that was my my shot to put my talents on display. And at the pro day, uh, Mike Tomlin was there. Uh, Kevin Colbert, the GM of the Pittsburgh Steelers, was there. Ray Horton, my position coach, uh, he worked me out. And then also Dick LeBeau, uh, the defensive coordinator, uh, was there. And at the time, I didn't realize it. But after they drafted me, I was, they were like, yeah, we were all there to see you. <laughs> and I'm like, man, that, you know, that, that kind of blew me away. You know, the, wow. the, and the, the guys that, uh, of that caliber um, – you know, coming down to see me, um, that, that meant a lot. And really, I think, spoke to the testament of, of who I am and what I was bringing to the table um, at the time. But, yeah, I got drafted in the sixth round of the 2008 draft, uh, picked number 194. Um, and that was just such a special moment because I got drafted back to my hometown team um, in front of and started my uh, accomplished a goal that, you know, my neighbors, friends, family, coaches, everybody, my whole support system is in Pittsburgh. And so for me to have the opportunity to live out my lifelong dream in front of everybody who helped me get there, I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. But actually it does because that year we won the Super Bowl. Um, so, yeah, so my rookie year coming right out the gate, uh, we, we go to the Super Bowl in Tampa and we defeat the Arizona Cardinals. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And so I couldn't have, you know, imagined a better start to my NFL career. Oh, man. Oh, God. Yep. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I mean, I'm just like, I, I, I always tell everybody, I'm like, listen, as a little boy, I was like, man, I want to be Batman. I want to, I wanted to play middle linebacker for the Chicago Bears. Or I, you know, I wanted to be, you know, some type of su- somewhat successful businessman. And I'm like, man, I was, I was 0 for 2 going to my, my post division three, terrible college football career. And uh, I love hearing these stories. I'm so pumped for the young man from Notre Dame, Cole Komet, who, you know, just got scooped up by the Bears. I was seeing yep. all this excitement. You know, he's from the Chicago area. Yep. It's picked up by them. I'm, and it, it just reminded me of your story when that happened to Cole and just how special that had to be. So, so I'm hoping Cole's going to the Super Bowl because, you know, I'm still, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm still fanatical about my hometown Chicago Bears, which, yeah. which you played at. And that's how we met. Yep. Right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Any, any, anything can happen. Uh, <laughs> anything can happen, uh, especially, you know, in 2020. Um, 
it's just kind of all over the place. So the Bears have a very strong shot of possibly going to the Super Bowl. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, so I, I, um, I played five years in Pittsburgh. Um, and as I mentioned, that first year we won a Super Bowl. The second year um, we didn't fare so well. And then my third year we were back in the Super Bowl mm-hmm. uh, versus the Green Bay Packers. So I started my career going to the Super Bowl every other year. Um, unfortunately, we lost that game uh, to the Green Bay Packers at in, in Dallas Stadium. Um, and then I played two uh, additional seasons in Pittsburgh. Um, and then in 2013, I went to the New York Giants and played one season there. Um, and that was my first opportunity to be a full-time starter. Uh, in Pittsburgh, I was playing behind a now Hall of Famer in Troy Polamalu. And yeah, and then and and Ryan Clark, um, who is a, a Hall of Fame man and at the time was a really, 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 really good player. Uh so you know, starting my career learning from those guys was an invaluable experience, but I needed to spread my wings a little bit more. And so in twenty thirteen, I went to the New York Giants and became a full time starter, played extremely well, and then uh signed a free agent contract to come here uh and play in here being Chicago. Uh, for the Chicago Bears uh, in 2014. And unfortunately, uh, at the height of my career, um, you know, I have pro ball type stats, 100 plus tackles, four interceptions, like just doing a lot of work and putting in a lot of work. 2015 comes around, uh, we get a new coach. Um, and then during training camp, I have a back injury that just sends my career um, crashing to the ground. Um, you know, I was, again, I was 31 years old. My body was starting to break down a little bit. And, um, you know, when the body breaks down, it's hard to maintain that mental state uh, as well. And so literally I would be on, I had back surgery. I'd be on the couch watching the games. And for the first time in my life, I would see a hard hit and I say, wow, that looks like it hurts. And I knew once my my mental paradigm about like physical contact like I started having those type of thoughts maybe it would start to uh maybe it's time to start thinking about what life looked like beyond football um and so I sat out that whole season in 2015 on injured reserve and then ultimately uh just decided to retire and and not even uh attempt to to make a comeback uh post-injury and so I wrapped it up in 2016. Yeah so um Gosh, I, 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 I kind of remember that, and I remembered it because of the season you came off of with the Giants. Yeah, I still, I still remember the 91-yard the touchdown return. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm just – I think Pittsburgh and the Giants and something about them always having, like, you know, these defensive powerhouse-type teams and, and mentalities uh, have always been reasons why I've enjoyed watching some of these other teams like those. Uh, you know, Chicago, there was so much excitement for you to get here. Uh, well, to get there, I'm in Detroit now. Uh, and uh, But there was so much excitement for you to be there. Talk, talk, talk us through uh, just the sort of transition and what you did mentally to begin to prepare and make good decisions to exit the league. Uh, because, again, I think that, that had to have been so unexpected. Yeah, uh, you were a physical specimen when I met you. Uh, definitely at the height of your career, as you've acknowledged, uh, which is accurate. And and so for you to 
uh, literally close that door and, and, and open a door that I think you may not have known what was on the other side. Walk us through that. Yeah, I had no clue what was on the other side. <laughs> um, yeah, it was, um, it was a, a, a decision that looking back, um, you know, took a lot of courage and a lot of, of strength to really um, execute on. And so, like, towards the – like, my last year in Pittsburgh, 2012 and 2013 in um, New York – I was starting to take advantage of off-season educational programs that were offered through the NFL. And so, like, these are executive education uh, programs that are at, like, Wharton and Notre Dame and other, like, prestigious universities across the country. And um, that really started to get the wheels turning because I was always thinking about life beyond football. Um, but I, I, I needed to take some tactical steps to really – do that instead of just thinking about it. And so that was my way of kind of getting ready and preparing for that while I was an active athlete. And then following that up, uh, I started an MBA program in uh, 2014, uh, excuse me. Yeah, 2014 um, during the off season at the University of Miami, Florida. And so like I was preparing myself for life after football and the best way that I thought I would prepare myself was through education. And, and so, um, I did that MBA program for two years and I graduated in the summer of 2016. So that, that was the off season of 2015 when I started that program, uh, after my first season with the bears. Um, but really that's when the, the wheel started to turn and say like, look, you know, again, football is not forever. Uh, and this this happened relatively quickly, like eight years in NFL flew by like that. And so I was at a place where, you know, I, I made a nice living uh, as an NFL athlete, but not by any stretch could I just sit back and not do anything for the rest of my life, nor did I want to. And so really, again, taking those steps to to learn and, and expose myself and, and, again, put in the work um, to make sure that I, I was at least preparing for life after excuse me, life after, even though I had no idea what was on the, the other side of it. Um, you know, education is great, but really getting out into the real world, uh, outside of the classroom and getting in front of people, making mistakes, learning from these mistakes and, and just continuing to move forward. That again was a very valuable experience for me. You know, when you, when you talk about that, it, it makes me think about, um, uh, your, your time, uh, with TechLeap Ventures. Can yep. you tell uh, our listeners and viewers a little bit about TechLeap Ventures, your current role with them, and, and you know, anything exciting here in, in the near future? Yeah, so um, upon my retirement, I, um, I was very curious in, in what um, life looked like from a business perspective. And, um, you know, business is a very broad type statement. And I did a few uh, internships in like real estate and some other industries. And one, uh, I was having a conversation uh, with a friend who said, you should think about like tech and startups um, and potentially investing there. And this was like long before it was in vogue to be like an athlete investor. Um, I was like, all right, cool. And so I came across some stuff saw that like Kobe and uh, Steph Curry, like these guys were investing in the startups. And I was like, well, man, I ain't got as much money as them. So <laughs> I need to figure out what this looks like for me. 
And so again, started a pound of pavement, uh, developed an interest, but I, I knew again that I had to learn and, and really um, gain an understanding of like what VC is, what startups mean, and what just the whole ecosystem, right? Yeah. Um, and so I put in that work, and and ultimately I got to a point. Uh, where I needed to make a decision. Do I want to go work at like a fund or work for somebody or do I just want to kind of do my own thing? <laughs> and I chose the latter for whatever reason, hubris, I don't know. Um, but I, I chose to launch TechLeap uh, as, as an angel investor and TechLeap is just short for technology and athlete, very innovative. Uh, cut two words in half, make them one. Uh, but... <laughs> But yeah, that was a great opportunity for me to continue my learnings and and really, um, you know, I just had this, that was like my first foray into entre- entrepreneurship. And so like, you know, just getting out there and saying like, having a gusto to say, I'm going to do it, I want to do it. Uh, and, and having that, um, you know, moxie to go out there and execute on it. And so, and I think, you know, by doing that, a lot of people respected me uh, and, and gained an appreciation for um, my business acumen because, you know, when you talk to athletes, like I knew I could get in front of a lot of people, right? And, you know, send an email. And I was a serial quote emailer. Um, you know, like Ryan Mundy. Yeah, Ryan Mundy, Chicago Bears. People will take the coffee meeting. They'll get on the phone to you. They'll hop on Zoom, whatever, right? But the um, the the thing about those types of meetings, especially when I was first getting started, is like, you know, they the conversation can go one or two ways. The conversation can go, we can talk about Super Bowls and Jay Cutler and all these other types of things. Or we can talk about like what you're up to, what I'm up to, and how we could potentially work together. And so, you know, I really had to learn the art of conversation um, and really guiding the conversation so that I'm not just sitting here talking about the Super Bowl for the 50 millionth time, or I'm not telling people what Jay Cutler's like in the locker room for the thousandth time, right? Like, so I understand what gets me in the door, but what keeps me in the door isn't that stuff, right? And so having conversations of substance um, was something that I, I had to figure out quickly because I'm, you know, I'm running my own shop. And, and so um, it was a good experience, but we invested into several portfolio companies across different technologies and, and sectors. And again, it was a good experience for me, but I just used it as an opportunity to figure it out. Like, do I want to become a lifelong investor? I don't know, but I'm going to do this to figure it out. So that was an important thing for me because I'm always down to try stuff and figure it out and, and learn and iterate. Um, and so TechLead was a valuable part of that experience. Yeah, and, and I love, uh, um, I, I've enjoyed uh, being a part of you kind of just opening up and showing really how wide uh, you've gone through life and all the different things that you've been able to devote some uh, intention and effort behind and hard work to make things become a success. Swizzle. Yeah. And I, I, I love that. You know I love that. And so... Uh, share a little bit about how Swizzle came to be. Well, tell people what Swizzle is and then share how it came to be and tell us where it's at because the darn thing's in Target now. And I yeah. like it was just like such a special kind of weird moment for me as a consumer and as a friend. Yeah, thank you so much. So Swizzle is an eco-friendly lifestyle brand and our core product 
is uh, the Swizzle Straw Pack, which features two stainless steel straws, a cleaning brush, and uh, unique eco chic type packaging. Um, and the the idea uh, around or the value proposition around Swizzle is that um, back in the summer of 2018, there was a massive, massive movement away from plastic straws. Um, it seemingly kind of came out of nowhere and, you know, it was on the front page of the New York Times and the Washington Post about cities, states, municipalities, literally banning plastic straws, no other plastic utensils, just straws. And so the alternative, uh, and there was a very visceral reaction uh, from like companies and businesses, et cetera, and they were moving towards paper products. Well, the problem with paper straws is they're absolutely awful. Um, they fall apart in your drink. It, it's just a terrible, terrible drinking experience. And so literally my business partner and I, we were, we were sitting down uh, having like our monthly coffee, just catching up. And the, the, uh, the straw withered away in my iced coffee in less than like three minutes. And I was like, this is awful. And so we're like, we should start a little business around this. And so um, that was literally the genesis of, of Swizzle uh, was just, uh, you know, those, those napkin ideas or those napkin businesses. That's how it happened. And so a mat- in a matter of four weeks from napkin to Kickstarter campaign, we were up and running. Um, just looking to take advantage of the the tailwinds uh, in, in the market, and we did very well with our. We had a successful Kickstarter, and um, learned a lot with that business. Um, but it came at the right time because I was a little burnt out from Tech Leap. You know, as a one man shop, um, I was getting a little little weary. And then again, like to what I opened with, I like I'm investing in other people's dreams, but not necessarily taking the bull by the horns and building myself. And I wanted to know if I was capable of doing that. And so Swizzle what seemed like a, and was and is a, a low risk type opportunity uh, for me to get in the driver's seat and, and be a operator and, and a true founder. And it's two totally different things from being an investor and a founder. Um, those are two totally different worlds. And so um, I, I decided to hop in that seat and, you know, because I thought it would be valuable experience. If I wanted to go back into investing, I'd have that founder paradigm. And if I wanted to um, just stay in being a founder and build something really cool, then that would be great too. And so Swizzle turned into this nice little lifestyle business. Um, it taught me a lot, but most importantly, how to be efficient with capital because uh, we didn't take any investors outside of our Kickstarter campaign. Um, we, we, we bootstrapped the business and built it into a, a nice little cash flow machine. And to your point, now we have distribution in Target, uh, roughly 300 stores nationwide. And we are doing, a, a quote, above average for our, our monthly sales report or our weekly sales report. Um, so we're really excited about that and looking to continue to expand distribution. Um, but again, it taught me a lot. But most importantly, you know, how to be efficient with capital um, and really just getting the chops and the, the, uh, the experience to, to run a business. Yeah, I just, uh, you know, in, in, in the times we're in today, uh, where there's all this heightened sensitivity uh, uh, around what we're touching and if we're, you know, under the weather, not under the weather, things like that, I, I just, I see it as, as such a um, 
just such a simple thing that brings enormous functional value to your everyday life. Yeah. You go around, whether you're at a restaurant, at a coffee shop, buying a bottle of water, a soft drink, uh, to just have your own straw. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Simple. Like a no brainer. Yeah. Yeah. Simple. Um, and again, you know, at the time I was looking for something that was interesting, had some favorable tailwinds, but then also, excuse me, is relatively niche um, and, de- and defensible in that way because not a lot of people are checking for reusable straws. And so, <laughs> you know, it's not, um, it's, it's not something that like somebody's going to think about and say, oh, I'm going to go start a straw business. Um, <laughs> so we, we have a, a, a unique moat because we, we've gotten a critical mass and then now looking to just really watch and repeat that, that strategy and, and hopefully get into the likes of like Walmart and, and Ross and TJ Maxx, et cetera. Um, but it was a really good experience and that's kind of like my baby, right? Like I would love to just yeah. hold on to Twizzle forever and, and just, cause that's the first one. Well, we, you know, we loved it in the great state of Michigan. We, 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 we slapped our, our little logo on the, on the, on the carrying case for the two straws and, and the cleaning brush and, yep. and we ordered gold ones. Uh, yeah. <laughs> they're, they're so great. And so that, that's a great story and another great example of just having a big vision and, and listening and seeing what the world's, you know, asking for and, and, and creating a solution for it. You know, we're coming down towards the end of our time. I, I'm hoping that you're okay. We're going to do a little bit of a speed round here. Okay. Uh, so we're going to try to keep uh, the responses as succinct as possible. And so, uh, Tell me a book that every uh, student athlete should read uh, as they think about their transition from college uh, to sports or after sports. Uh, the Alchemist. Awesome. The Alchemist me. and the Four Agreements. Sorry. The Four Agreements. So I'm not familiar with that one. Tell us really quick about the Four Agreements. Yeah. So basically, it's uh, it's a book that is about principles, and these agreements are like the things that you, throughout the ups and downs and, and good and bad in life, um, they give you four principles. I won't reveal them. Um, you go check out the book. But there's four principles that you, regardless of the situation you're in, will position you um, for uh, optimizing yourself. Awesome. Uh, probably most significant lesson you took away from your uh, childhood? Work hard. Um, a greatest core value instilled by any of the coaches throughout the great coaches throughout your life? Um, listen. Uh, describe in one word the greatest teammate you ever played with. Humble. <laughs> oh, man, I love that. Uh, tell me what's the one thing you're most excited about in the next 60 days? Um, 60 days, uh, launching my website. Awesome. Alchemy. That's great. Uh, if there was, if there was one lesson that you see many, young professionals uh, experience or continue to like relearn or be retaught. Uh, what is that lesson? And do you have any advice around that? What's the question again? I'm sorry. Like 
what's 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 one sort of reality or maybe obstacle or piece of adversity a lesson of sorts that that you see a lot of young professionals face uh and is there some advice that you'd give them around that yeah um don't be afraid to ask for help i think too many times we and i know i'm guilty of this i'm terrible at asking for help um, you know, whether it's a pride thing or just, again, like we think that we have to do everything. It's not the case. Do not be afraid to ask for help. Yeah. I mean, my, I'd say my, my, my life is a, a great example of um, one, most people are horrendous mind readers. Right. So, you know, if you're waiting for someone to just know what it is that you want or need, uh, you know, you'll be waiting a long time, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Samantha and I talk about that all the time. And uh, uh, but number two, you know, I find that you know people just are inherently born wanting to help each other. Mm. I mean, I genuinely believe that. I think it's uh, are we modeling? Are we are we talking about it enough? And are we modeling it enough to just inspire and encourage more people to step up into action? Mm-hmm. And so I can really appreciate you sharing that. Yep. Yep. That's so important. What's, uh, what's the one uh, lesson or core value that you really want to instill in your children? Um, put in the work, work hard. <laughs> awesome. Tell me what's the, what, what is the one thing that you're really obsessing about right now besides this website launch? Oh man, just all things associated uh, with the brand and, and I'm obsessing about our financing round. I mean, literally the product development, yeah. every, all things associated with Alchemy that has my full time attention uh, and energy. So people who want to keep up with you around Swizzle, Alchemy and every other amazing project that you're going to be attacking throughout your life, where can they find you, Ryan? I'm pretty active on Instagram. Uh, my handle is Ryan G. Mundy. Uh, uh, on Instagram and also Twitter as well. Um, and then not very active on Facebook, but I am Ryan Mundy on Facebook as well. Uh, so those are the best ways to, to keep up with my activity and, and all the things that I got going on. Yeah, I really, uh, I really always, well, I always enjoy my time with you, even though it's not that often anymore, but, um, I love hearing all that you're working on today. Really appreciated your time and, you know, as we, we share with the folks that, that follow and listen to us, uh, you know, I truly believe, you know, the 1% of the 1% in any uh, profession, uh, you know, are typically folks just that are filled with, you know, great visions, uh, an enormous amount of relentless hustle and hard work, as you heard from Ryan today, uh, volcanic levels of grit to just bounce back to what you said you would do every time you face adversity and having enormous amounts of gratitude. And Ryan, you know, your story is definitely an example of that. And so thanks for your time today. And uh, folks, you heard where you can follow him, but I'll tell you, livealchemy.com. That's going to be a website that folks want to tune into. Yep. Yep. We are on the way. So thank you so much, Manny. I really enjoyed the conversation. Thanks, Ryan. All right. We'll talk soon. For more insights from top performers in sports and business, be sure to subscribe to Vision, Hustle, Grit, and Gratitude wherever you get your podcasts. Also, you can follow us on Instagram at Vision, Hustle, Grit, and Gratitude. Until next time, 
keep doing great things. <laughs>